2: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this
1: edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD and fighting the wrong fight. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made and we'll get into the show.
0: You've heard it from organization experts and others. If you want to get things done, you need to keep to-do lists. If all the things you need or want to accomplish keep you up at night, you might think about spending five or ten minutes before bed writing down your list for the following day. Some people prefer to start their day by creating a list. Choose whichever works best for you. To learn more about time management and ADHD, visit chad.org.
1: Uh, On Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. I'm excited about our show tonight. Laura Magnificent is a pretty incredible person who kind of turned me on to the, the notion that you can't treat ADHD through shame and blame. And over the years, I've, I've looked at motions and realized, unfortunately, that they are actually stimulating. And the ADHD brain seeks stimulation. Furthermore, they're self-soothing. It sounds really screwy that that's the case, because when we're real emotional and having some difficulty, people don't like to be in that state. But if you think about it, a lot of times you go there because it is self-soothing. And so just kind of teeing this stuff up as a notion of what's kind of going on, we wanted to really kind of address that today with Laura. And um, so let's get into it. We're here with Laura McNiven, who is the Director of Clinical Services at Springboard Clinic, a leading multidisciplinary clinic specializing in ADHD awareness and treatment in Canada. She's the co-author of the new workbook for adults with ADHD entitled, May We Have Your Attention, Please, a Springboard Clinic Workbook for Living and Thriving with Adult ADHD. As a professional who experiences attention issues herself, she is deeply passionate about sharing a message of hope and effective tools to meet the challenges. She enjoys outdoor sports, writing, and exploring the world through the eyes of her two children. The clinic is found at www.springboardclinic.com. And with that, Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So excited about this. There was a piece of work that you wrote. You can't treat ADHD through a lens of blame or indifference. And in that writing, you talked about beware of making sweeping statements that take you away from facing ADHD head-on, and this is the part I really like, can get you fighting the wrong fight and putting yourself down. It can be a direct route to finding yourself uh, filled with shame and frustration. Can you talk to us about that writing and how it kind of came to be and what's that about? Because I want to use that as a, as a, as a place to actually talk about this and kind of you and I give as specific examples of how you get past it. So can you tell us about that writing, how it kind of came about, and your perspective on it?
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, it, it came firstly from a personal experience. So going through the process myself of only learning that I had attention issues and, and difficulties in my sort of 20s and 30s. So in that time, I started to understand it more. And I was able to look back on issues that had happened to me in the past and see and understand them uh, with a better better lens. And so, for example, if, you know, if I can look back and one, and I now I can look back and I can kind of understand better why I was, you know, sprinting to get my papers in, in university and sort of feeling behind in ways and not knowing why. And so I've, I've really come to both understand that personally and then working with, you know, hundreds of clients over the years, really seeing how when you get stuck in, in a really gentle way, I, I call it being upset about being upset, that getting stuck in kind of the feelings around ADHD that's when you kind of really start to get hurt on yourself. And the, the, the biggest issue being that you don't actually fight the right fight, that you, that you aren't actually dealing with the issues of ADHD. You're dealing with all the secondary issues. And when you're stuck in that place, very hard to problem solve. You're almost in like mini depressions. You know, you're, you're stuck. And um, when you're able to pull away from that and um, have a more clear lens about what the actual primary issue is, that's when you, when I see in for myself and for individuals I, with I, that I've worked with, I see really exciting um, steps forward
1: hey, that's inspirational, um, and one of the reasons why we had you on the show, and I like how you put it you're, you're not dealing with the primary stuff, you're dealing with the secondary issues, and like the the being upset about being upset is just like an emotional loop, and we've done a lot of shows. A lot of shows on Attention Talk Radio talking about ADHD being an issue of self-regulation, and one of those that you need to do is you need to down-regulate emotions, because emotions can be much a part of it. And when you're upset about being upset, it's just, it just catastrophizing everything, and really kind of rolls, out of rolls out of control. And I really like that notion that to you know, beware of sweeping statements that I want to talk about in a second, because you actually are fighting the wrong fight. Um, when you start blaming yourself and, and, and shaming yourself and putting yourself down and really kind of getting indifference is really not helping the cause, if anything, it's really making it all worse from my perspective. Is, is, do you agree to that or anything to add?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it gets you in this place where you, you can't take ownership for what the actual problem is. And particularly, I see that impact those around you. So, you know, take an example of let's imagine that you're late for a friend. Well, you're, you're late probably firstly because of time management issues. But by the time you actually arrive late, you, you kind of are punishing yourself You're you're frustrated within your own self and you can't even step out and apologize to the person you're late for. And so they're kind of like, well, you know, okay, I'm just waiting here. And you're sort of deeply punishing yourself. You can't even enjoy lunch because you're up in your own head about it. You get stuck in these kind of hurricane experiences in the brain and you aren't able to actually face the fact that I'm sorry I'm late. You know, I'll take responsibility for that and yep. let's enjoy and move forward and have lunch. Yep. You actually can't be at lunch. You can't apologize to your friend. You get stuck in these these really deep rabbit holes.
1: Yep. And it spirals and you get deeper and deeper and deeper. So I wanted to, to everybody, I don't want to minimize this. The trick of all this is actually, this is you actually have to pause and down regulate your emotions. I mean, that's no easy feat. But I, I did want to just, Laura and I, have some just discussions about just kind of what some of this looks like and really kind of help you switch your mindset a little bit. And so, you know, Laura, one of the things that I've learned over the years is I, again, I think that I look at the word procrastination as a, as you say it, a sweeping statement. And and I call it somewhat emotional. Like if I'm not doing, I'm procrastinating. And to me, it carries with it a negative label. And um, everybody I'm a coach, I do this, I've been doing this for like twelve years. I do this day in and day out. But one of the things that I've learned, Laura, is that seventy percent, seventy five percent of procrastination is rooted in ambiguity. And it's funny because if you ask yourself, what am I not clear about or what am I not what is hard, it's very interesting diagnostic questions that actually can get you to the root of of, of an issue or problem and it's amazing how you can, you can problem solve for there. So I'm going to give a real, real, real simple example. Um, it's a famous example for those around me. Is I got a call from a guy one time, and the first thing we were attacking was procrastination. And so the second call, he comes together. The first call is really just kind of setting things up. And I said, okay, let's get into procrastination. What's, what's on your list? And he said, well, I need to call my relatives to tell them about my daughter's dance recital. And I said, okay. Now, remember, this is his procrastination list. And he was like, I needed this because I'm a horrible person. I don't do this stuff. And I said, well, what's hard about making a phone call? And he said, nothing. I said, no, seriously, what's hard? He said, nothing, it's easy. I said, well, wait a second. Let's just back up a second. You're paying me money
2: to help you, right?
1: Yes. This is at the top of your procrastination list. Yes. So it's easy? like. Come on, dude, you've got to give this to me. If, if it was easy, we wouldn't be talking about it. And so literally he's like, well, I gotta go. So, hey, let's go back to the question. What's hard about making the call? And then all of a sudden he said, well, you know, actually, now that I think about it, usually when I call, they'll ask me, well, where do we park, what do we wear, and what do we bring? And like, okay, well, that's legitimate. And he goes, you know, to get that, now, I gotta get, now, now he's talking his way through the problem, Laura. And he goes, now I've got to go back to mm-hmm. my wife.'" And I can already hear it like now. He starts, he starts and then I'm going to get the, this, this, this one thing. Can't you just do this one thing? I've asked, you know, blah, 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 blah. So now, granted, the emotions are coming in because he doesn't want to have to go back and face that because she's having an emotional reaction. But what was interesting to me is he, he actually bellied up and went to her and said, okay, listen, you know, what do I need to know? And he did get the, the, the right act, and he did it. But the next time she asked him to do something that was seemingly simple phone call, he literally said, hey, honey, what are they going to ask me that I don't know? And what are the answers? And she told him, and all of a sudden he was making the phone call. And in this mm-hmm. real simple, very, very, very simple illustration. It goes right back to what you wrote. It was a sweeping statement, procrastination. Is this is broad-based thing that has this negative connotation and that people start fighting themselves up. And, and you're, as you were saying is, listen, you've got to face ADHD head on. And the idea is, I don't really know – I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't know what they're going to say. And if you say what's hard about this is I don't really know, and you ask those questions, all of a sudden we actually begin to move forward. And so I want to pause and, you know, have you comment or add anything to that. But in a simple, simple little example, procrastination is just a sweep and emotional um, statement. You're not really addressing what's at issue. The issues you really don't necessarily know. I realize some of you don't think in those terms, but just something simple. What is, am I biggest about or What's hard? And all of a sudden you get to a, a a resolvable problem. That's not ended up in shame and frustration goes right back to your formula. So again, thoughts on this make sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I have actually, yeah, two comments on that one. You know, I, I love examples like that because what, what, the way that we describe that kind of an experience at our clinic is that you, you basically get neutral language that allows you to like dig into the minutiae and find the answers you need. So we often call, we often say blockers. So, so what's blocking you? And at first, well, nothing, I mean, it's easy, but then there's that, yeah, but if it were easy, you would have done it. And then you kind of dig into what specifically is blocking you. And that's much easier language than why am I a bad person that's lazy? (laughs) You can, you, you need to kind of get into uh that. Like, okay, let's deal with what's actually happening. I had, I had one client example that comes to mind when you share this story. And he was, he was an executive and a really smart, impressive guy. And I was young at the time. Um, I was early in my coaching. And he kind of sat down, and I could kind of feel the feeling of, like, what are you going to teach me that, you know, I don't already know? Yep. And, and <laughs> certainly that, that's not my role, but that was the vibe I was getting. And um, we started talking about time management. And he kind of said, well, you know, I've done a million workshops on time management, like, I I get it, like, I know what time management is kind of thing, and we kind of had this moment, and I said, well, why don't you put on the whiteboard what's going on in your mind, and it kind of shifted the 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 vibe from sort of testing whether I was going to be able to help him to sort of allowing him to personalize his own journey with what was going on, and it was this beautiful moment where he just started whiteboarding (laughs) ideas, thoughts, what was what's all the things that are on his mind and that it kind of shifted from like, what do I not know about time management to me real me sort of offering the opportunity and, and really him doing it of taking sort of the emotions out, the defensiveness out and really starting to look at the, the, the data. What, what do I need to do? And what's not getting done? And as he went through that process and allowed me in, um, you know, we, we had a beautiful coaching relationship for years because yep. he was able to kind of realize this was his journey. I was here to help him and, and to offer questioning and create this space that was, that was creative and, you know, neutral. Absolutely. But
1: Absolutely.
0: Definitely. You know, there was that, that switch from being emotional about it to like, okay, it may be kind of silly. It might seem a little silly, the things that I'm having trouble with versus the things that I'm doing an amazing job at, but let's just put them all up there and, and- deal with the, you know, Fight the fight. Fight the right fight.
1: Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Everybody, we're going to yeah. break real quick. Uh, when we come back, we want to continue this discussion. We have some more examples I want to share with you. Our secret word tonight is blocker. I love that, Laura. It's like perfect. Like what's hard? Blocker. I mean, these are all diagnostic tools to get out of the emotion of it. So our secret word tonight is blocker. And check out Laura's website at springboardclinic.com. Again, that springboard clinic.com and with that we'll be right back after these messages
2: your life your world your choice this is attention talk radio are you always late the time timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with adhd manage life better as time passes time timers bright red disc disappears visit timetimer.com and use the discount code atr for 15% off
1: Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com
2: slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR.
1: Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com.
2: And now back to Attention Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation with Laura McNiven. That was this this whole show was actually inspired by a few sentences that she wrote. You know, you can't treat ADHD through the lens of blame and indifference. Uh, in other words, uh, <laughs> being upset about being upset is not going to help you. So. Uh, we were talking about that and we were talking about some examples of how you back out of it and actually try to take the emotion away and really start to problem solve. Uh, I gave an example on procrastination and said, you know, you stop and say, what am I not clear about or what's hard? And she's saying, well, what's blocking you? What's the obstruction? Um, you know, different words. I think they get to the same place, but I think they were both really good illustrations of, um, of how you step out of the emotion and you, 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 face, you face this head on and you kind of move forward. Um, you know, I, I got, I, I've been debating on this or not, but it's, it's funny, Laura. Whenever I'm coaching somebody um, and we're talking about how they get things done, uh, I find that deadlines, saying I do things at a deadline, is an emotional reaction, at least in my coaching, not in the kind of day-to-day, because I'll say, well, how did you get that done? And they said, I was the deadline. And I go, well, how did you get it done at the deadline? They said, it was the deadline. And I, t- I tell this story uh, because I have a philosophy that if I'm coaching somebody and I want to understand how you do things, when you're at deadline, you actually do everything in the most efficient means as possible. And the reason you do that is because it's efficient. It's kind of like water runs downhill because it's a path of least resistance. And so to kind of tee this up to help people understand it, it's, I, it's, it's, we did a show with Dr. Russell Barkley. Um, so all you have to do is Google attention, talk radio and GPS on working memory. And we talked about people with ADHD struggle with working memory, and often they have to talk to think. They actually do a lot of talking out loud. And I coached this guy who was um, high up at this company and um, was very productive at work because he was in a meeting all day. Talk, 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 got everything done. And when he went home, he would never get any work done And it took a while, but for him to realize is that he was nobody to problem solve, and so that's why he never got anything done. He owned it. We call it a verbal processor. Not the best language for it, but anyway, that's what he called it. So one day he comes in and he tells me that you know he, this big project he got it done a deadline. I said, "Well, what what enabled you to get it done?" He said, "The deadline." I said, "No, no, no, no." How did you do it? Well, it was the deadline. I'm like, no, listen, you're getting emotional. Let's let's back up. What happened? Like, what? Well, no, no, no. okay, I grabbed my team and I pulled them in a conference room. I said, "Really?" You pulled them in a conference room. And what do you do? Well, we started kind of brainstorming, talking about. It. I said, "I guess get, look, look. I'm betting dimes to donuts that you talk for ninety five percent of the time or more." And he goes. Uh, well, I'm a leader. Well, I understand that, but like you talked like almost all of it. And she goes, well, yeah. I said, well, you know, you and I talked about you talking out loud. That's how you solve problems. Well, I can't bring everybody into a meeting like in advance. I said, yes, but that's what you did. He goes, what? I go, listen, I don't care. You, that's how you do it. That's your most efficient way. And it was kind of funny. He says, well, I can't Every time I want to do this, actually drag 15 people into a conference room to do this, I said, well, you can say you don't need to do it. You can't do that, but that's what you do every single time. You're actually waiting for the deadline that justifies it. All you have to do is just acknowledge it because you're going to do it anyway. And I kind of caught him off guard. He says, but what am I? just call it your PFC meeting, your prefrontal cortex meeting, and kind of do it. We began to laugh at that a little bit, but – kind of the moral to this story is, is a little bit, as I find coaching people, if you can tell me step by step what you did before the deadline, I can actually unlock your actual process of doing it. And, and I'm going back to often when I'm talking to people trying to get to that, I can't get to it because it was the deadline, it was the deadline, which is another sweeping statement that's based off of appearance, and they, there's some negativity associated with it. And so I just want to really get your thoughts on that. Have you ever had anything like that and, and anything to add? Yeah, I have
0: two. I have one, a personal example, and then also one sort of extension of that. But
1: from a personal perspective, and I
0: think I shared this with you when we were chatting about this um, episode, but I, in university, used to uh, be in charge of study groups. And so I would get groups yep. of people together, and I had no idea then that I had attention issues again. So I was just doing what I guess I had sort of realized without sort of facing directly that I had, that I had problems focusing. But what I would do is get groups together and, and we would teach each other stuff from the from the from the book and I was able to do that in that context. So I'm like that too. I need there to be a little bit of like animation or a bit of a sensory experience around in order to kind of come alive. And so but I I was doing that without knowing why. And now I can look back <laughs> and say, huh, that worked. That was that was good what I was doing there. And now I can be more overt about it. But I think the other thing that comes to mind in in talking about this is sometimes, you know, working with people with ADHD, they'll say, well, I can't do it until I get hit by lightning, sort of get that, that, you know, before the deadline Uh kind of push, and then suddenly I'm able to do it. And certainly that's sometimes seen as a negative thing. But I've also had a number of artists or, you know, individuals that are creative kind of love that lightning bolt moment. And so there's this almost this feeling of like, I don't want to give up the lightning bolt moment. That is like such a a high of an experience. So some people even see it almost as a positive, but then they realize, but then I'm ignoring my partner. I have no time for my kids. Like uh, it has all these other sort of personal elements of, you know, sort of downsides to it. So sometimes it's also about that deadline being almost a positive word, but then switching it out and being able to say, how can we create mini deadlines? series of lightning bolt moments so that you can keep balance in your life as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. What everybody, what she neglected to say that I think was really pretty powerful when we were talking about her study groups was, and and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Laura, but correct me if I'm wrong is you would go teach, you would get the study groups together, go teach it to them. Even when you didn't really know it, like you were going to figure it out while you explained it to them. Is, am I, am I putting 5%. words in your mouth or is that the
0: truth? No, I mean, I would like put headlines up there and be, I could, it's like my brain worked faster. I, I was in front of everyone. And I'd say, so what do we know about this topic? And it would, I don't know, maybe it'd come back from the lecture a little bit when I was in under fire a bit or a combination of kind of things would help me do that. But certainly I would, yeah, I would usually be the facilitator and do a lot of the teaching, even though I didn't necessarily hundred percent knew I knew, Knew I knew it,
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah so, so I, wanna, I wanna, yeah. we're off topic, everybody, here, but I can't help but take advantage of this, is that <laughs> people with ADHD struggle with working memory, and a lot of times they need to talk out loud in order to kind of do this. And so, and we're talking about you do this really kind of naturally, and there's a lot of people that I've coached that are learning, and literally we go hire a tutor, not for the tutor to teach them, but for them to teach the tutor. When you have to teach something to somebody else, you actually kind of know it at a higher level, and it's counterintuitive. No, we want to hire the tutor for you to teach it to the tutor. What? No, seriously. And again, we're a little bit off topic here, but sometimes people with ADHD, you just really need to talk out loud to somebody in order to make that happen, and, and you can kind of go forward with it. So I just had to kind of put that in. Um, we do need to go to another break real quick, come back with some more stories about this whole concept. So our secret word tonight is blocker, and check out Laura's website at springboardclinic.com. Again, that's springboardclinic.com, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages.
2: You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life
1: by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few
2: tips The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? <laughs> Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call DIG Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are here with Laura McNiven having a great conversation about how you can't treat ADHD through a lens of blame, shame, or uh, or whatever. And we're really just trying to talk about uh, emotional statements procrastination or brain or shame and how that takes you away from fighting the fight. Uh, you actually need to confront ADHD head on. We're trying to give some real examples so that you can see that. Um, I would acknowledge that when you, we talk about the emotion and how you get rid of the emotion, you're down regulate that. We're skipping over that part. We have other shows cause that's really, really hard. I really want to emphasize that's hard. If it was really easy, you would have all done it by now. But needless to say, Hope you'll get some inspiration from this because you'll be realize the power of this if you can stop and say what's blocking me or what's hard or what's ambiguous. We've had some real good examples. You know, Laura, there's another word out there that people throw out a lot is in perfectionists. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I find that to be a little bit of an emotional response too. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I think for sure. I think it, it, it's interesting to digress a tiny bit and then I'm going to answer that. When, I, when we were just on break, I just wrote down in my notes, I want to make sure we don't minimize the emotional side. <laughs> and then you said that, said that, which I think was perfect. I think, you know, I really don't want the message to be that the, getting through the emotional stuff is the easy part. It's the hard part. It's the deep dive. But once you do it, then, you know, you're able to problem solve a lot more easily. And, and perfectionism is a, is a great example of that because people kind of throw that term around. It's deeply emotional. It, it, it's it's blocking you because you have this vision for wanting something to be a certain way. And, and it's, 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 it's almost like encapsulating procrastination at the same time as some of the shame and blame when you aren't perfect. And one of the things that's so hard about ADHD is that what it's often the case that what is hard is easy and what is easy is hard. So the stuff that you struggle with, it might be stuff that other people think is easy. So it's embarrassing and Emotional, and you're trying to sort of get to this pinnacle point of, you know, creating or being your best self, and you've got all this stuff you have to get through to get there, and you know, it's deeply frustrating, and so of course you feel shameful, and of course you blame yourself for you have these talents and you're just not, you know, meeting your potential, and so it's it's deeply emotional, and and perfectionism I think is one of those terms that can get you even more stuck because. You, you kind of throw it out there, but what do you do with that? I'm a perfectionist. Yep. Okay. So what, what, how do you unpack that? Like, you're not going to do things perfectly. You're a human being. So, you know, it's, it's just another one of those words that I think blocks you in the same way as, as some of the other ones we've talked about this evening.
1: Yep. So I got a couple of funny stories. on. So I'm coaching mm-hmm. a woman one time on her closet, and it's a wreck. And she's got this notion. She went out, she, you know, she, she read all the books, and she went out and she bought these clear plastic bins to put her shoes in. And they were supposed to be arranged in stacks because they're clear so she could see them. And they were all, this is pre-thing. And I was coaching on it one time, and um, she was getting emotional. I'm a perfectionist, and, you know, I've got to have my closet just so. And anyway, it was kind of funny, but she was just paralyzed. Before it. And one thing I've learned about people with ADHD, you procrastinate, um when it's ambiguous but the other 25 percent of the time is if it's boring and particularly if it's got a lot of steps i call it friction which is that's a concept for another time and i'm sitting there and i'm looking at this thing and, and she sends me pictures of it and she's like this she's she's laid herself at a perfectionist i'm like i know that you're visual but i also know that you're not going to do anything that's boring that requires a lot of steps and there's a pile of shoes like in the middle of her closet and there's all these like clear boxes and i said you know w- when is it that, you know, you take – you pull out a box, you put the shoes on with a dress, you don't like it after you actually see it together, which is a working memory issue. She can't simulate it. And then she dumps it and she puts it back in. It says, it seems to me that the problem is there's too much work to put all that stuff back. And she's no, but it's – I like it. It's aesthetically pleasing me. I'm like, well, what, why don't we make it easy? And she's like, why don't I – don't they have those like little cubbyhole things, whatever? And we go on Amazon like, and they've got this thing that you hang in the closet and it's just got this, you can just stick a pair of shoes. And all of a sudden we just stick it in there. She can see all the shoes and it's easy. It's a piece of cake. And all of a sudden she goes, oh, my God, this is the easiest thing since sliced bread. I said, no, you're not a perfectionist. You're just paying attention to it the wrong way. There's a great Tony Robbins thing. She says, you know, if you're running east looking for a sunset, you can have all the positive intentions that you got, but you're not going to see a sunset if you're running to the east. You've got to go the opposite direction. And so in that moment, she was calling herself for perfection. I'm like, wait a second. No, let's just sit down and look at this thing. You're not doing this because you're not going to take the time to put all the shoes back in the boxes. Let's make this thing simple. So in other words, we just try to meet ADHD head on. It's repetitive and boring. There's a lot of friction. How can we make this visual without a lot of steps? So we got again, this, it's this thing that hangs. I forget what you call it. And there's like all these pockets to put the shoes in. And all of a sudden, it changed the world. Again, not a perfectionist, but she was labeling herself, and we were stuck that way until we said, "Wait a second, head on." It's too repetitive and too boring for you to do that. And we came up with the different solutions. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. What do you think of that?
0: Yeah. No, I was just kind of thinking about. I mean, one, I was I was laughing to myself because one of the most fun parts about working in ADHD and you can agree if you or disagree but is that it's so fun because we also we often get to help people with the easy stuff, right? <laughs> like <laughs> you're you're you know, like it's hard it's hard in the moment, but there you know, once you can kinda lift that um that clouding vision and, and sort of take away the sleep, sleeping statement, there's kind of a lot of like fun in the minutia that there's often very small things blocking people not such, you know, enormous problems. And so it's very satisfying to work in this area because, you know, if you have the opportunity to work with a coach or if you're a coach and you have the opportunity to work with a client with ADHD, you get to lift this veil and find this space where you get to look at life in a, in a new way and often solve a lot of things pretty quickly (laughs) because you're able to, to get through, to get through, you know, and it's very satisfying and, and and sort of fun, but I, th- I was also thinking about, you know, is, does everybody have these kind of sweeping statements about themselves? I mean, I'm sure to a degree. Or, or is, it, is it a lot of having grown up with ADHD or being a little bit different and, and neurodiverse that you're told these terms and then you hold them? I mean, maybe this is another whole another whole show, but it's, it's interesting to think about how often people with ADHD come and they sort of have names for things but they don't necessarily um, – they're sort of a disadvantage for them rather than an advantage. Um, and it kind of goes to like these big macro words when really we're trying to take them back to like these these micro examples that allow the, the answers for them. Yep. I don't know. What do you think? Is There's something yeah, there, but, I think.
1: No, you know, I, I think I, – interesting I, how you brought that up. I mean, here's, here's my response to that, and that is, number one, yeah. is human beings are parents-based, and – there's a great quote that I stumbled into that I latched on a couple of weeks ago is that the sun does not rotate around the earth. It doesn't. We rotate around the sun. But the comment is without the right technology it looks like it does. And so before Galileo we thought we were the center of the universe. He said, nope, listen, we, we rotate around the sun not the other way around. They like threw him in jail took a generation of stuff. And I say that's really, really important because often um, people with ADHD are kind of beat it because everybody's based off appearance. And I, you know, First interview I ever had with Dr. Russell Barkley in 2011 on emotion and then 2012 on ADHD as a self-regulation issue. The world changed to me because, you know, it's, it's ADHD is not a deficit of attention. It's a self-regulation issue. If a kid's got ADHD and he's playing computer games day in and day out all weekend, that's not a deficit of attention. His issue is stopping and going to bed or doing his homework. And so – with that technology, when you look at ADHD as a self-regulation, it's no longer impulsivity, it's self-regulation. It's not distractibility, it's self-regulation. Anger and frustration is all self-regulation. It really makes a lot of sense. And the other thing is when people look at people with ADHD and they've got piles and stuff everywhere, it's become clear to me that they have that out because if you out sight, it out of mind, it's a working memory issue, the reason that they have it out. And if, by the way, if there's a delicate balance. You've got to have stuff out as reminders, but if you have too much out, it becomes invisible because you become overwhelmed with it. But what, where I'm going with this, Casey Patey called me up a couple of years ago as a professional organizer, and we started having this conversation, and it dawned on me that, again, this is back to the sun rotates, the, the, the earth rotates around the sun type of thing is when you look at piles of stuff, people say that's disorganized. What I learned over the years ago is that if you can put your hands on it right now, I don't care what it looks like. It's organized. Organization is about knowing where it is. And there's lots of people with ADHD that they've got piles of stuff, but they know absolutely where everything is, but they're told it's a disorganized mess. And so they're, they're, they believe it is. And so the show that we did, and I've written a couple of articles, I call it ugly organizational systems. And so, at the end of the day, going back to your point, Laura, is everybody deals with ADHD on an appearance-based thing, and from appearance-wise, it looks like it is. But when you understand or you have the technology to look under it and say, this is a self-regulation issue, or you know you know where things are, blah, 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 it changes the game to everything. And so, in a sense, I think the ADHD crowd has been kind of bullied into this. What I like about where we are in the world right now is we're starting to have the lenses and the metaphors and the explanations to share with the crowd. I think the world is changing, which back to the point is I think the way you worded this, you can't live through blame and shame, you're fighting the wrong fight. And so we're starting to kind of come around, and this show has really helped people actually start to see these things. So in summary to your question is people with ADHD are kind of brainwashed into this because everybody else is judging them because of their own emotional problems. I don't like the clutter. You're disorganized. I want you to say, that's not about the person with ADHD. If they can find anything, it's about the other person. Does that make sense, Laura? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- anything to add or, or thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think that it's really interesting, right, that if you you don't fit into the way it's supposed to look, then you then there are new labels are created for it, whether from others or yourself, that in in turn yeah. become the hardest baggage that you have to carry, right? There yeah, was so- a, I was that the cadre conference in Canada last weekend and one of, there's an amazing speaker about the brain and she's a neurobiology professor and had this amazing talk, but she started it with, I want to remind everyone that the ADHD traits used to be the traits that were most sought after in society. And it was a beautiful, I mean, I've heard that before, but it was, it was cool to hear it again. It was like, let's just remember that there's some really special things that come with these traits. Not that it's easy, but that what's particularly hard about it is trying to, to put it into the box of the way we live nowadays. And that is where some of these labels and shame comes from.
1: Yeah. And so the fun part about these shows is we do those and sometimes we in unexpected places. But, you know, Laura, the one thing that I've I coached my clients over the years, and when we get done, we find out what works for them. My parting words with them is you need to remember when you go out into the real world, you need to advocate for yourself. Because at the end of the day, it's convenient for society if you do it their way. And they're always going to bully you into doing it their way because it's easier for them. Work's got to be done. They just want you to do it. So at the end of the day, listen. There's clutter. It upsets me, right? ADD persons can find anything. They're going to bully me to make sure that I get that taken care of because it's really kind of bothered them because I have to do it their way. And if people with ADHD, if you understand what works for you, sometimes you just have to advocate yourself. I go back to a show that I did with Dr. Russell Barclay on working memory. It was kind of cool. On our interview, we talked about working memory. I talked about what I learned, and we got to the end of it and said, you know, paper is high tech for people with ADHD. And he agreed, like, sometimes you need to do that, although everybody's pushed into these other things. And, you know, if you know that works for you, sometimes you just have to set up and do it and say this is the way it works. So anyway, just a small editorial comment. Um, As we pull this thing together, any last thoughts or any last words before we close it out?
0: Yeah, no, I think that we're, we're getting to the place where we're kind of coming full circle on our point, which is really that you have to do the work to find your way to do things. And that means, you know, working through the emotional stuff. Like even in our workbook, the first six chapters are, are really based on figuring out who you are and what drives you and stuff about you because the second you get stuck in feeling like you're not good enough, um, the way you do it is wrong, the way you naturally see the world should be shifted, you know, you get really, you get really stuck. And then you're to our point, like fighting the wrong fight, right. And stuck in those emotions of which, which are just absolutely counteract with trying to get anything done. So you're already struggling with it, you know, a neurobiological difference in your brain. And then you're blaming yourself with all these, you know, tough, tough words. And then you really can't get into the solving. So I think neither of us are minimizing the emotional work but really driving home that if you don't do the emotional work, it's very, and, and I think it definitely in my view, it's very hard to um, do the work that will make a difference for you.
1: Really quickly, everybody out there, if you want to learn more about emotions, just Google Attention Talk Radio. That's for all of these things. Dr. Barkley and Emotions, Sesame Street, Fight, Fight, or Freeze, and then just Google Attention Talk Radio and Emotions. We've done dozens of shows uh, that talk about emotions and get down to the heart of it. And uh, at the end of the day, I want you to know that's the single hardest thing for people with ADHD to do is to regulate their emotion, to down-regulate it. All those shows you listen to. Um, there's even one out there with Melissa or- Orlov on couples. There's a process. You've got to catch yourself in the motion. A lot of times it's really helpful to notice it in your body. You've got to pause. You've got to breathe. you got to count to distance yourself from the trigger. And then you've got to engage your thinking brain. Easy for me to say, very difficult to execute. And today we didn't really get into that piece of it. Laura agrees. She acknowledged it. We both that that's hard. But if you can do that, I just wanted to show you a tangible example of the other side of what it looks like and how you can problem solve so with all that Laura thank you so much for writing that piece and bringing it to my attention and thank you so much for coming on the show
0: thank you for having me I
1: always love talking to you so thanks for your time uh, we're going to find some other ones so everybody uh, again our, our secret word tonight is blocker and uh, you need to look at uh, Laura's website uh, and also check out her book um, it's at springboardclinic.com with that we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Attention Talk Radio take care